Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and changemakers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, we're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. Welcome to this week's episode of Leaders of the West. Okay, I am excited about today's episode. I'm excited about every episode, but today we're sitting down with Trey Wasserberger. Trey and his wife, Dana, own TD Angus in North Platte, Nebraska. Trey is also a co-founder and co-owner of Sustainable Beef, an upcoming processing plant in North Platte, Nebraska that will launch in 2025 in partnership with Walmart. One thing I do want to mention about today's interview is the audio is a little funny. So the reason for that is Trey was saying ahead of our interview that they don't have the greatest internet or Wi-Fi connection at home and often they'll drop calls or interviews like this. So he was in his pickup where he could get the best reception. But unfortunately, the audio is probably a little fuzzy. That being said, don't let that keep you from listening to this interview because Trey is incredibly wise. It is an honor to have him on the show today. And I am just blown away by how much good stuff he had to share, which I knew he would. But every time we sit down for these types of interviews, I am always just reminded as to how amazing the people in our industries are, and Trey is no exception. So you're going to bear with the audio for one heck of a great interview today with Trey. Let's get to it. Well, welcome to today's episode, you guys, of Leaders of the West. And I am so excited to be sitting down with Trey Wasserberger. As you guys heard in our introduction of him, he is one hell of a go-getter when it comes to the livestock industry and a continued innovator. So Trey, let's just get right to it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you grew up, and where you're at now? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Trey Wasserberger, uh, raised and born in uh, Gillette, Wyoming. And uh, went to school at the University of Wyoming, met my wife. Uh, we came down here uh, to North Platte, Nebraska, to the land of grass and water. And uh, we took over Bill Richel's uh, registered outfit, Richel Angus, you know, perennial Angus herd here that's been in the business 40, 50 years. Really, really the development, developmental and uh, certified Angus beef platform. And uh, yeah, we're involved in the family feedlot down here as well and uh, involved in sustainable beef, the beef packing plant here in North Platte. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to say this right now. You're not necessarily giving yourself enough credit because that's a pretty brief overview of the fact that you guys do a lot of stuff and you do a lot of stuff very well. So, let's kick things off. You purchased someone else's family ranch. How did that opportunity present itself and do you feel connected to it like you would your own family's ranch? Oh, that's a great question. You know, uh, we're very very blessed. You know, everything's about timing and agriculture I've learned and especially in the business and 2012 I turned out a bunch of yearlings I didn't even walk in college I went and turned out yearlings and it was really my biggest you know splash into the business well if you've mentioned 2012 to a producer today you you mentioned the giant drought that actually just swallowed up the west and uh, I went broke my first time uh, completely had nothing worse than that I was in a pile of debt um came down here to help my father-in-law my wife's dad 
And he's like, why don't you come down and wean calves for me? And uh, we weaned a bunch of calves on wheat. And I kind of clawed my way out of debt, you know, calved a lot of heifers, did it the old fashioned way. And me, my baker in town, the, the president of First National Bank in North Platte, Greg Wilkie kind of took a liking to me, what I was doing, and you know, hard work and resiliency and and uh, both wrestlers, too. And, and he just liked my mentality of the no quit, never back down mentality. And he loaned me my first dollar again. And uh, he introduced me to Bill Rischel and Bill and Barb Rischel. And they had three daughters and they were kind of um, wanting to do a transition. And, and I'd never been in the registered Angus herd business at all. We kind of clicked. I liked the cattle. I liked the feeder cattle, especially that were associated with them that I had some knowledge with in the feed yard. And away we went. Yeah, now, you know, it's really cool. Like Wasserberg names, a perennial name up in, uh, in northeastern Wyoming. There's a lot of us and a lot of boys. And my dad was the youngest son of four boys and I'm the youngest son of his. So there wasn't a lot of room for me and that's okay but now i couldn't imagine life anywhere else and um you know water and a moderate climate and um the beef business is right here it's the epicenter for beef you know cattle and corn are raised and manufactured here so yeah i can't imagine life anywhere else really and when was that was that 2016 2017 when you guys purchased the ranch we uh we bought the cows in 2016 and then we bought the ranch in 2017 and Lock, stock, and barrel. We bought herd bulls, the scoop shovels. I mean, million dollar semen sellers to, you know, that old, you know, broken handled axe over there. I mean, we bought it all and Bill kind of helped me walk through it. It was all in house too. It was all inside the bank. Greg Wilkie and Chance Schilling at FMBO did it all. No realtors, no attorneys. It was a two page document and it was the start to an awesome, you know, I've, I've spoken at UNL. University of Wyoming on generational transitioning. And there's a lot of that going to happen. It's going to be the largest transition of wealth in the next 10 years. And we've kind of built a prototype on how to do it, not just for the seller, but also the buyer as well, tax purposes wise. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful arrangement. Yeah. And we're on year six. Our agreement is over and we're still best friends. I talked to him yesterday and he's still my mentor. And I'm very, very blessed to have them part of our life for sure. Okay, so in the last basically six years, although I know 17 to 24 is seven years, so if anybody wants yeah. to say that I can't do math, but we just started this, and it's not like you, you've you done a bunch in the first first month of 2024, but you guys have a purebred operation with two sales a year, you have a calf buyback program, a feed test, AI breeding services, <laughs> you're in the process of building a state-of-the-art mm -hmm. processing facility in partnership with Walmart. You guys have done mm -hmm. a lot in seven years. How do you make that happen? I get that question a lot. Young men and women are like, how do I get started in ag? And I always tell them just like, I, I tell my children this too. Like you guys are so blessed because it, it's so consolidated in ag now that, you know, when dad came home, there was so much competition. Everybody came home and the eighties kind of broke them of that. And then every decade that goes, we have less and less, less kids coming into rural America all you really got to do, and Joe Goggins, who's a mentor of mine also in Billings, Montana, told me, he said, Trey, all you got to do is just outwork them. And they're right. I mean, I heard this the other day with Dana White. If these kids are even remotely savage, they will run over their competition because it's just the competition is just not there. All you got to do is outwork them and get with a mentor. And I can't express that enough. Like there, I'm learning that with you said it with my partnership, Walmart, that. 
corporations don't share secrets. They just don't. It's all in-house and to get into those walls is tough. Ag's not that way. I mean, I can call, I have five mentors in every aspect of the industry. You know, Bill Rischel at the seed stock level, my father-in-law, Kirk Olson at the feeder level, Bill Rupp, but John Keating, Bill Rupp for sure, former CEO of JBS and Cardio is my partner in the packing plant. And then I have a financial friend as well in Walmart and a beef business guy in Walmart. So I have mentors in all aspects of the business and I can call them at any time and they answer. And that's because I've proven that I will outwork them and I am worthy and they, and it's free. They gave me this information for free. Like, here you go. This is how I did it. Maybe try this. I mean, I bought a turnkey registered Angus outfit. I had 400 registered cows. They were owned one. We went from selling 120 bulls. We're selling over 500 in seven years now. I mean, really, this is our sixth sale. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of opportunity out there for a young man or woman that just wants to get behind a mentor that's been there, done that, and uh, outwork. It's, it's awesome. It's a great business to get into. Oh, absolutely. I even tell that to my kids now. Because on the job side of thing, that's the thing that we hear is employers have a hard time finding employees because nobody wants to work. And so I am a big believer if if my kid has no skills in life and the only skill that they have is that they are a hard worker and they are resilient, that is the only thing they need to get by. And they are going to be heads above the rest 100%. just because they work. Yeah, 100%. I, I even hear in corporations, uh, multiple corporations tell me they're like, if you're a farm kid on a resume, they're interested already. That's awesome. They want us. They want our children. It's our job to keep them, right? No kidding. Okay. Well, you bring up a really good point in mentorship. And that is something that I think is so powerful. And we've talked about this on a a number of episodes before. But for those people who think, man, I want to get around smarter people. I want to be the dumbest one in the room. Where did you start Mm -hmm. in finding a good mentor? I think that's one of those things that people... They don't necessarily have a hard time understanding, but if you want to be around smarter people, you also kind of have to give them a little something too. It can't be a one-way street. So if you're if you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't necessarily feel like I have anything to give somebody, how do you find a good mentor? I get that all the time. Like, what can I offer? I don't have any money. I don't have any capital. What can I offer? And, I, and it's just your hard work and your ability to show up. And I, like all these mentors I have in all aspects of the business, they didn't give me anything. I had to earn it. You got to understand they're in their 60s, some 70s today, and they don't have the physical capacity to go out there and cab those heifers to to build that fence. And it takes years to, to develop that mentorship kind of relationship. But if you bring to the table what they don't have, which is hard work and physical attributes, they'll give you their mental capacity for free. And I've just told, I told thousands of kids that just outwork them. Do what they can't do, and they will give you the kitchen sink. And it's a beautiful relationship, and it's a healthy relationship, just like a marriage. You know, you got to work together. You got to bring something to the table. The other one that, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And my weakness is I, I don't have a lot of experience. But you know what? I can call Bill Rupp today and say, hey, tell me what the feed additives and qual- you know pros and cons of feeding Ponch. I've never fed Ponch out of the packing plant. Never worked in a packing plant in my life. Now I'm an owner in one. And, and he's like, this bang, bang, bang. I don't really know, but I'm going to put you in touch with a feeder who's done it. Next thing you know, we've got a TMR ration made out for punch. It was and in two phone calls. That's what ag's about. The door is wide open. If you just show a little adversity, show up on time, great attitude, hard work, and you're passionate about it, they'll give you the keys. They'll give them to you. 
Okay. Well, let's talk to a little bit about mental toughness because I read an article where you talked about mental toughness and how crucial it is in the farming and ranching business, which I know this, you know this, our listeners know this, but how are ways that you have been able to really build and strengthen that muscle? Because it is so crucial to success in our industries. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, my parents, my, my dad's a teacher, my mother's a nurse, but they raised me to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Like I've always been taught that life begins outside your comfort zone and they've kind of groomed me. And I think my dad was a wrestling coach as well. And I've, I was really, really blessed to have a mentor in that aspect and just my mental capacity. Like, and I talk about this all the time, you know, we need to celebrate these young guys because, you know, COVID, I had an alley full of front end black feeder cattle that were out of my best bulls, my best customer. And in June of 2020, I couldn't sell them. And it ruined my 4th of July holiday. That was the birth of sustainable beef and want to be involved. You know, they don't see us going to the 40th floor at FMBO and begging for mercy, saying, just give me one more try. Or, you know, I'm going to tell you, last week, we're calving 500 head right now, registered cows. I went out at 2 o'clock in the morning, talked to my night man, and he was just broke. And I said, what's going on? It was negative 30 wind chills. And there's a two-year-old heifer born out of our embryo program. So nothing more expensive than her. And she's standing over a dead calf. And it breaks a guy. But you have to have a short-term memory and have the audacity and resiliency to swallow it and move on. I mean, I, I do. I attribute everything to my mental toughness because I can, I've been broke. been broke twice. And what's the worst that can happen? Bankruptcy? And people just think life's over at that point. No, it's not. You just, you know, you, you failed, but that doesn't mean you're going to succeed at all. And our group with sustainable beef in the pa- beef packing plant, there's many involved that have failed to build a packing plant in their lifetime. Many of them. This one actually worked. They had the mental tenacity to continue to, to plug through it and follow their goals and be passionate about it, outwork them. And good things happen when you don't quit, period. I mean, this is not an easy business. A lot of it's out of your control. Mother nature and father time are undefeated. They are, and you're not going to beat them. And they dictate a lot of your uh, bottom line. And that's just something you got to put into grass, be a good manager, be a good operator. And it just seems like if if you put in the time and the effort, uh, good things happen. So, Oh, man. And I will add to that. Sometimes I think the hardest things or your what you see as your deepest, darkest lows, they come right before you're actually going to reach the peak. And if you can just keep going, that is when you're going to be able to take a minute and celebrate your win. But it always seems to be that way for us anyways. Oh, me too. I mean, being a cattle feeder, you know, these cattle are losing a pile right now, two, three hundred dollars a head in the feed yard. And Andy Olson, uh, my wife's grandfather always tell me, Trey, when the tunnel is darkest, that's when you'll see the light. And I firmly believe that April, May, June, you, know, you can fact check me, call me in June. I hope I'm right. But I think April, May, June, this deal cuts loose. Um, I firmly believe that. But right now it is bloody and it's a massacre. But you, you've you got to get through that tunnel and can continue to move to the light. Um, that's just how it works. COVID. I thought, how am I ever going to feed cattle with this massive capital expenditure I have? And they're losing money. It's out of my control. Well, out of that darkness came the light of sustainable beef. You just got to hold faith. It might take two years. It might take 10. But I firmly believe that if you outwork them and have the passion, you'll get out of it. I do. 
Oh, I agree. Well, okay, on that topic, let's dig into sustainable beef for a bit because a business of that nature is quite the undertaking. And you had said earlier, just because you are, you know, familiar with the industry and you know how a cow gets processed and you know what a processing plant is, it's a whole nother one to build one. So what were some key decisions or steps that you guys had to take to really make that a reality? Oh man, there's this is we could do a whole series <laughs> podcast on this story because it's still enveloping every day. Um, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska yesterday testifying to the unicameral on behalf of sustainable beef with our CEO David Briggs. But you know, a cow calf producer saw a need and a want, uh, Rusty Kemp for more uh, processing. He got with Greg Wilkie, who did the Bill Rischel deal. That's how there is this all funnels down to one guy, really. Greg Wilkie opened up his Rolodex, says, you need to meet this, 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 and this. Well, we were one of those people. We all got in the same room, decided we could do this. And the big deal was we went to the city of North Platte, my my hometown. And our first meeting, Jesse, they said, we have a spot. We have your site. We're like, what? The Laposotas family tried to build one in Western Nebraska, never got a site. You know, a lot of, a lot of rural communities are not welcoming to growth. And doing different things, you know, do, not doing the way dad did it. North Platte had the intuition to say, we need this. We have a declining population. Our schools are getting smaller and smaller. We're thinking about shutting some down. We need to start growing. This is a huge economic impact. We want it. Okay, so we got the site. Next, cattle. We got three cattle feeding families involved. Obviously us, Laposotis' Maxwell. They said, we believe in this project. We want to be involved. Bang, we got the supply. Next came capital. One of the hardest things I've ever done, raising money. Once again, it was all about timing. You know, at the time, the grocery stores, the largest retailer is, is seeing their beef shelves empty because of supply chain issues. They said, this is a problem. You have a problem. You have an excess of, of cattle that we can't get to us. So what's the problem here? Well, it's right in the middle. It's between us. Let's come together. They called us, said, you got a problem. We got a problem. We got to make it work. Um, well, it was like, it was a beautiful marriage. They came out and visited us, North Platte, Walmart beef team said, this is something we believe in and we want to be involved in. I said, what can I change? I showed them my feed yard, showed them my ranch, everything. They said, nothing. This is awesome. And we're like, okay, 18 months later, um, we broke ground and, um, a lot of layers involved, a lot of great timing. I don't think, you know, cattle supplies at an all time low today. We wouldn't have that conversation today. There's a lot, you know, raising money is even tougher. Yeah, there's a lot. It'd be incredibly hard to build it today. It was hard enough in a good time and it was a bad time. But once again, darkness and the light, we were in the darkness, figured out how to get to the light. Today, it'd be even tougher, but it's a beautiful thing. You know, 800 jobs for North Platte, probably two or 3,000 people, influx auxiliary businesses, a billion dollar impact for our community and the money all stays here. Uh, it's a beautiful thing and it gives us the cattlemen that are involved and it's going to take those off, you know, the show list around and, you know, there'll be some competition and something we've never seen. And it's still producer owned. It's amazing. I'm so proud of our team. All. Well, and another interesting thing is give the details around how close in proximity everything is to one another. Yeah, so we can uh, we can raise the bull that sires the calf out in commercial ranches, come back to our family feed yard, and go to a to go to sustainable beef all within fifteen miles of each other. Okay, and then from 
the packing plant. It's also not very far to where you guys are able to put that into the supply chain through the packing center. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, just like when we started this project, a lot of things have changed and we are a very uh, agile and nimble company and had to really, you know, as a startup, you got to be athletic and duck and dive. And um, the distribution center was about a mile and a half south of the packing plant, which would work beautifully. But as time went on, word got out that uh, Walmart had invested and they, you know, there's so many layers into that company. They said, well, we'd like to have this in the Bentonville system. And we'd like to feed our employees this high choice and prime Angus beef. So now, now we're going to go down to Alethe, Kansas, uh, to the Case Ready plant, which will go into Bentonville. And uh, that's the new plan. But we, we see a long-term vision and growth that we can supply both the Bentonville distribution center and North Platte is the goal. So that is awesome. Okay. I just have to ask, obviously you're somebody who is a risk taker. You're innovative. Is that a fiber you've always had? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, I just think it's naturally in me that I am, I, I want to be feel pressure and I, and I'm, I get bored easily. You know, many teachers tried to, medicate that and try to do something with the way I am. And it's just my personality, but I just, I I wouldn't call it fearless, but I just, I'm passionate about it and I'm not afraid to fail at all, which is an important attribute. I tell my children that like, Hey, I've got a son wrestling now and he'll come off a match and getting beat. And it's, that's how you learn that adversity to get up the next day and go after it and continue to plug through it. And that's a very, very, very rare skill in today's society. I'm learning that. And our community, our agricultural community has it. We're built to, to handle adversity. And so, you know, take what, you know, once again, strengths and weaknesses, take that strength, continue to, you know, pull the wagon and uh, good things happen. So I'm, I'm very, very blessed with the way I was raised. Um, I give a lot of credit to my parents. I give a lot of credit to my wife. Um, for continuing to harbor and reinforce that that's who I am instead of I had some teachers try to rear that back and <laughs> my parents always just and yeah they did and and my dad said no that's just who he is and you you got to keep him busy and my son has the same attributes as me it's amazing he chews so they wanted to they said he won't sit still he won't sit still and I'm like well yeah he's bored and they're like well we have this medication I'm like uh no and I call my dad and dad's like give him a straw so my son sits there and chews on a straw all day and he's fine. Gets straight A's. He's a great student, but we have to, we have to adapt to who we are and use that as a strength. And you know what? He's seven, he's eight years old. He turned eight on Monday. He's out there scooping bunks with the guys. Um, he gets it. Hey, he, he can work. He can outwork them, but can we get him through the modern education? We'll see, but uh, you gotta, you gotta harbor that and, you know, inject that into your daily life and, 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 You'll do great things with it. So, oh man, I tell you what, my husband and I were just talking about this last night. We have a little girl; she'll be three, and she well, we have two kids. But anyways, she is so headstrong, and the kind of headstrong that when she's thirty, I am never going to have to worry about her. I know nobody's going to take advantage of her. Like she is independent. 
But the real question is, is she going to make it to 30? Because I yeah. don't know that if her and I together, that's going to work out, but I totally get that. So let's on that topic, let's talk about your wife because I would be remiss if I didn't add her into this conversation. I know she's highly involved in all aspects of building your business and raising your family. You guys have four kids under the age of eight. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Your oldest mm-hmm. is eight? Yes, ma'am. How do you guys work together as a team in all of those different endeavors? Like I said, you know, partnerships and our marriages and marriages are a strength and a weakness. I mean, she's really calm and, and her demeanor is just very motherly, I would say. I am awful at paperwork. Awful. <laughs> I mean, I get into cattle deals and I won't. I'm awful. I don't. You should see my desk. You should see. I'm just terrible. We don't have a nanny. We don't have a secretary. We got Dana. Dana does all the registrations. We have 1,200 head of bread registered cows now between the fall and the spring, and she does all of it. Does the DNA, does the parent verification, does the, you know, all the actual weights, all the actual scanning. She does all of it. I don't know how many times I've rolled over at three o'clock at night and she's on her computer. And we don't have a babysitter. We don't have a nanny. She, she's a mother of four. She, we get them all going in the morning. She takes them to school. She really covers up my holes. And I've told this to a lot of people without Dana, I'd have 1200 registered cows running around commercial. I would, because I'm just not, I can't sit down. I'm just not going to go to the office and do these things. And she really covers up my holes. Once again, strengths and weaknesses. And she's really good about gifts and, uh, she can host events. I mean, our bull sale is an event. I mean, prime New York strips, full bar. Last year was on St. Patty's Day. We had green beer, like details I would have no idea. Never would have thought of. We got cookies with a bowl, one of our bowls on it. I mean, like stuff that I wouldn't, her Christmas gifts, her customer service is incredible. Um, I had a customer call me today. Hey, this bull isn't registered to me from two years ago. I need to register calves to him. It was a complete mishap. Don't know what happened. Dana had him transferred to him in 20 minutes. I couldn't do it without her. I always tell young kids, I'm like, you know, who you marry will dictate a lot of your success, period. Um, I would be half the man had she not be involved. And so choose wisely and pull the wagon together. And also, it doesn't hurt to marry a cattle feeder's daughter because they understand. <laughs> they understand pain and sacrifice and, uh, you know, lean, lean holidays sometimes. Definitely and- wasn't easy living. No, she's tough. Uh, she is dang tough. And uh, that's that's a great quality in a partner and a wife. So, Oh, amen to that. Okay, I want to ask our rapid fire round questions and kind of round out this. What is the best piece of business or personal advice that you've ever been given? Oh, I already said it. Just outwork them. Um, if, if you're passionate and have hard work, things will go your way. You, know, you might stumble and fall and, and hurt and get bloody get a bloody nose and some skin knees. But if you're passionate about what you do, that's the forefront. And if you outwork them, uh, that's a secret ingredient to success, period. Okay. This is kind of a little bit different of a question, but it could be along the same lines. If you could give people any words of wisdom and you knew that they would take them to heart, what would it be? Don't be afraid to uh, fail. You're going to in life, especially if you take risks. Um, you know, do your homework and do calculated projections of the success of this, but do not be afraid to fail because all entrepreneurs do period. 
I, I watched a podcast the other day with Elon Musk and they're like, why are you trying to go to Mars? You've had rocket billion dollar rockets blow up in front of your eyes. And why is this so important to you to go to Mars? And he said, cause I'm passionate about it. And if I'm passionate about it, I'll see it through. And that hit me like a rock. And Ooh, so I hope it hits. Good. Yeah. Stable beef period. I'm passionate about it. And I'll see it through. Okay. If you could go to dinner with anybody dead or alive, who would you pick? Oh my gosh. I got to pick one. Yeah. I'll let you pick one of each. How about that? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'm reading a really cool book right now called Never Back Down. And it's about, it's really hard to get, but it's about Bob Gotch. And he, you know, one of the perennial cattle feeders that kind of started uh, high volume cattle feeding in, in Nebraska. And I would kill to have dinner with him. I'm about halfway through the book and I just can't hardly put it down. So uh, he'd be my, he'd be my passed away, Bob Gotch. Oh, alive. You know, I've met Donald Trump Jr. And I really, really liked him. I did. I really enjoyed him. I got to spend a couple hours with him and talk hunting and cattle. And I really, really enjoyed that. So I would love, now I'm probably going to get some arrows for this, but I would love to sit down Donald Trump over dinner and just let him non-filter just, I would love that because I think he gets held back a little bit. And I think he, he's got a lot to, to teach a guy. I mean, he'd be a great mentor. I would love to sit down to dinner with Donald Trump. Now I don't agree with him all the time, but I would love that. Those are good. You know, here's the other thing though, I will say that I think is important too is because you just said that you don't always agree with him. And I think there's a lot that can be said about you still take people for the good and their successes and you want to peel that part and leave the rest. You don't have to be all in on something. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We we disagree on immigration and uh, some other issues and uh, fiscal conservatism. Uh, I don't think, and so it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be, hopefully it wouldn't kick me out, but it'd be a great dinner. So we'd have a steak for sure. Oh, absolutely. Okay. What's one quote that you lead your life by? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. I've got a bunch of them. Joe Goggins has got a good one. My quote is, it's one word and it's, we use it all the time and that's just fearless and, um, be calculated, be smart about your tactical moves, but be fearless. And, uh, we are, and if you're going to be in this business, you're going to have to have that. Uh, you're going to have to be fearless because mother nature is going to throw some things at your, at your ranch, supply chain issues, the just political environment, the economy, things well out of our control. But uh, you got to be fearless and plug through it and get back up and go to work and grab that, grab that handle and, and go to scoop in the next day. So. Ooh, I like that. Okay. And then last question, favorite things. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, a program, maybe like a life hack other than marry a badass? I mean, I think that's kind of your life hack, but something that's changed your life in some way that more people need to know about. I think a lot of young men and women have trouble getting started in agriculture because a it's risky and it takes so much capital to get involved your banker relationship is huge i've said this multiple times i think your banker relationship is every bit as important as your spouse because they're your partner and one day you're gonna have to go into them and say i'm in trouble i'm in a bind here's the keys of the ranch if you want to take it take it you help me get into this. We're partners, partners for life. You got to help me get out of it. And I think that's huge. And I do a really going down the Jordan Peterson rabbit hole right now. And I love it. Like this carnivore diet thing is amazing. And the people saying, 
Oh, I'm getting off insulin and I'm getting off diabetes and hypertension and all this beautiful aspects of just eating beef, salt, and water. Uh, so I'm falling down that, that uh, rabbit hole right now. What an amazing, amazing propaganda we're putting out for the beef industry right now. It's great for health. It's great. Those were all, I mean, well, not that I had any doubts, but those are all awesome answers. Okay. One thing that we didn't mention, you have a podcast. So if people want to listen to that, where can they find it? What's it called? Yeah, I started, uh, I love podcasts. Once again, this is free knowledge, guys. I mean, you can download the app and Spotify and there's all this content that you can click on a button away. You know, tractors have Bluetooth today. There's no, and Elon Musk talks about this in a podcast. You want to learn a second language? Go to YouTube. Guess what I did? Went to YouTube, can speak pretty decent Spanish. I mean, that used to cost thousands and thousands of dollars and some a four-year degree and they're right there. I So I started my own to give back for my entrepreneurs. We call it most of the best, which is, a, that's a line we use that Bill Richel told me between genotype and phenotype and cattle, you know, make them have the most of the best. And so we call it most of the best for agriculture entrepreneurs. I've, I've had, you know, state senators, I've had, uh, Packers on there. I've had Temple Grandin on there. It's been a lot of fun. You understand. And I've learned a lot. Putting your first podcast out is terrifying. Oh boy, Five is it of ever. My first 10, <laughs> yeah, it's awful. And I threw away half of mine. My first 10, I threw away. And that's called individual growth and personal growth. And I, be honest with you, I don't exactly love it, but I know I'm getting better. Our job as producers is to spread demand. Spread beef demand. They want to hear your story. So give, give them a click of a button. I've had moms from San Diego reach out to me. Man, my son has autism. Your podcast with uh, Temple Grandin was amazing. I'm like, that, that's why we do it. And she looked up Temple Grandin and that's who made it. So our job as producers, spread demand, spread our livelihood, all the good conservationalists. That's what we do best. And we need to tell that story. And that's our job. That's why I did it. Awesome. Love that. And then TD Angus has a bull sale coming up. When is that? Yeah, I'd be remiss not to uh, plug that in there. TD Angus is going to sell about, um, Dana and I are going to sell about 400 bulls here uh, March 15th here in North Platte, Nebraska. The night before, really cool. We have a feeder cattle procurement program coming out. State of the art, conception to consumer. We will have a panel. We're going to have Mark Nelson former Cargill guy, buyer, who's the head of procurement for Sustainable Beef. We'll have Bill Rupp, who's a founder of Sustainable Beef and also CEO of JBS and Cargill. And we'll have Grant Keenan, who's the director of procurement and beef sales for Walmart. So we're really excited about to have them. And we're going to start building a model where these bulls are going to go out, sire the calves, these feeder calves will be bought back, put into the supply chain and tracked all the way through. So this plan is in motion and uh, we're ready to unveil it. So Join us. Also, it'll be on superiorlifestock.com if you can. So Awesome. And then you said that was March 15th, right? Yes, ma'am. March 15th. Perfect. And then if people want to keep up with the building of sustainable beef, because you said that is going to launch in 2025, right? Where can they follow along for that? We are building our website now, sustbeef.com, S-U-S-T beef.com. Also, there's tributarybeef.com. That's our feeder cattle procurement program. And they'll be live here in about March 1st. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Trey. This has been awesome. And for everybody who was listening, thank you guys. And we will see you back here next week. If 
you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries, and you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.